0: how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 279. It's titled, Why All Retirees Should Consider Income Annuities. I get a lot of questions about retirement. Here's an example. A member of Money for the Rest of Us Plus said, should after retirement portfolios be structured different from the savings phase portfolio? Got an email today from a listener. He has about $1.2 million in assets. He's 54, about $400,000 in the stock market, half a million dollars in certificates of deposits, and is considering taking some of that money in CDs and putting it in a laddered portfolio of individual bonds. This would be a portfolio where... You have bonds that mature in one year, two years, three, four, and onward. Individual bonds. I finally got an email from a member who asked about annuities. Given that they have no children, no debt, they don't want to leave an inheritance to anyone, their primary goal is not to run out of money before they die. He asked, should we put all of our assets into annuities in order to maximize our ability to spend while reducing risk during retirement. Clearly, how we invest and what we do with our money when we're retired is different during the accumulation phase, when we're just seeking to save enough and earn a decent return so we have enough to retire. But what do we do with this nest egg once we're retired? I came face-to-face with this during the great financial crisis in 2008. We were managing portfolios for financial planners as one of our lines of business. And in the fall of 2008, I went out and met with the clients of one of these financial planners. This was in Baltimore. We managed a stock portfolio and a bond portfolio for this client. And the advisor would allocate mostly retirees into these portfolios. Typically, it was 50% stocks on average. And so these retirees came filing in to this meeting, was held in the evening, and they looked shell-shocked. Their portfolios were down 25 to 30%. They were fearful. And as I spoke to them, I tried to calm them, let them know things were going to work out. But at the same time, I recognized that just investment tools isn't going to work. How is a retiree supposed to stomach 50 to 60% drop in the stock market? I spent five months researching retirement income strategies, different ways to go about it. And at the end of that time, I wrote a white paper. And here's what I wrote. We believe many retirees are underestimating the risk of depleting personal savings during retirement. The probabilities of retirement ruin can change dramatically based on market return patterns, what's often called now sequence of return risk, and inflation over a 35-year retirement window. Entering retirement knowing there is even a 10% probability of prematurely depleting personal savings when that is the primary source of retirement income is imprudent. There are too many unknowns that can potentially lead to catastrophic outcomes. Most retirees with homes wouldn't think of going without fire insurance. Yet the probability of their house catching on fire over a 30-year period is only 1%, much less than the probability of retirement ruin for many retirees. Just as retirees protect against fire, theft, and other risk by purchasing insurance, they should also protect against longevity and other retirement income risk by making sure the majority of their retirement income sources are guaranteed. What are these guaranteed retirement income sources? Defined benefit pension plans, which less than 10% of retirees have, Social Security or other government sponsored retirement programs, and income annuities, sometimes called immediate annuities, a product. I knew nothing about when I started that research. That was over 10 years ago. And I've mentioned income annuities on the podcast. I've assisted family members in shopping and purchasing annuities. But it wasn't until I recently read a book by retirement researcher Wade Fowle that I was reminded how important this guaranteed income is so we can get through annuities for funding retirement. The book is titled Safety First Retirement: An Integrated Approach to Worry Free Retirement. Reading a book, even if it's a familiar topic, can reinforce points you might have forgotten. You can look at a topic from a fresh perspective. That's what Fowl's book did to me. That's what I hope my book, Money for the Rest of Us: 10 Questions to Master Successful Investing, does for you and for those you might give a copy to this holiday season. We're gonna dig into some of the lessons from his book and what I've learned over the years about retirement income, as a better way to structure retirement portfolios, it's a safety-first approach versus a probability-based approach. What then is a safety-first retirement? Here's what Foul says in his book: Safety-first advocates support a more bifurcated approach to building retirement income plans that integrates investments with insurance, providing lifetime income protections. And that's what I described in my retirement income paper. Immediate annuities, income annuities, and we'll look to see how those are structured. Regarding a probability-based approach, here's what Foul writes. Probability-based advocates generally view annuities and life insurance as unnecessary in retirement. They see the stock market as a straightforward way to obtain superior retirement outcomes. Probability-based approach focused on spending rules. What's a sustainable spending rate? The 4% rule or other ways of going about it. Fowl writes, in fact, the general view of safety-first advocates is that there is no such thing as a safe withdrawal rate, such as the 4% rule, from a volatile portfolio. A truly safe withdrawal rate is unknown and unknowable. Instead, what safety-first advocates do is they risk pool using insurance. And the benefit of that is it requires less assets to cover your lifetime spending amount. It, as Fowle points out, effectively reduces the potential overall cost of retirement. Less money because of these income annuities. How do they work then? It's a contract with an insurance company. You give the insurance company a lump sum, the premium, and the insurer promises to pay a specific periodic dollar amount, usually monthly, for the rest of the retiree's life. And depending on the contract, the lifetime of their surviving spouse. Generally, they're set up as a level payment But you can get them with a cost of living adjustment. I wrote in the paper with an immediate annuity, the retiree eliminates longevity risk, market risk, and if desired, inflation risks if an indexed annuity is purchased. When we are using a probability based retirement approach, trying to figure out how we should invest all our funds, what the spending rate should be, we have to plan for extreme events that we're going to live to be 95 or 100 and that market returns will be below average. But income annuities, because you're sharing risk among a group of retirees, you can plan based on an average life expectancy and average returns. Here's how Foul describes it. With risk pooling, One does not need to plan for the very expensive case of an extremely long life combined with poor market returns. Instead, the retiree pays an insurance premium that will provide a benefit to support spending if those risks materialize and retirement becomes more expensive. An unprotected investment portfolio may otherwise deplete. Insurance companies can pool sequence and longevity risk across a large base of retirees, allowing for retirement spending that is greater than the sustainable withdrawal rate from investments for someone self-managing these risks. You get more bang for your buck with an income annuity. How long can you expect to live? There's a study by the Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies that was released in December 2018. It was titled, How Today's Retirees Are Financially Faring in Retirement. And one of their questions was, how long do you think you'll live? Or what did you assume in your retirement plans that you would die? Now, no one knows. The median was age 90, although 52% said they weren't sure. Here's what actuarial studies show. This is from a website called longevityillustrator.org, and they compare smokers and non-smokers with excellent, average, and poor health, both females and males. A female with excellent health, non-smoker, 50% chance of surviving to age 90, 25% chance of surviving to age 96, and 10% to age 101. A male non-smoker with excellent health, 50% chance of surviving to age 87, 25% chance of surviving to age 94 and 10% chance of surviving to 98. Those are the life expectancies if we're using a probability-based approach that we should use in planning out a retirement. Trying to eke out those returns exclusively from an investment portfolio will be very difficult to do. What Fowle recommends and what I recommended in that retirement paper is essentially an asset liability approach. There's a table in Fowl's book where he shows assets that we have. Clearly, most retirees have financial assets, checking accounts, brokerage accounts, retirement plans. They have social capital, Social Security, Medicare, company pensions. In other words, somebody else is providing that income stream. We have home equity. And we have human capital the ability to work into our retirement years, perhaps part-time. Another asset that we could have that most people don't have. Less than 10% of retirees rely on some type of annuity, but that could be an asset. Now, the liabilities are future payments that we have for essential living needs, taxes, perhaps debt repayment. But we have essentials, and then we have discretionary, travel and leisure, lifestyle improvements. There are contingencies, long-term care, health care, other spending shocks. That Transamerica study showed the biggest concern or worry that retirees have is declining health that requires long-term care. 47% of retirees listed that as one of their greatest fears. Yet only 10% have any type of long-term care insurance. We're not going to talk about long-term care insurance in this episode, but that is a potential liability out there. A contingency that we need to plan for somehow. Other health care or spending shocks or potential liability. And then legacy, leaving something to our family or community and society. We have these assets and we have those liabilities. The safety-first approach is to cover your essential living needs with guaranteed income, social security, pension, income annuities. Now, we could, as the one listener was asking about, we could self-annuitize by having a bond ladder, bonds, be it municipal bonds or regular bonds, individual bonds, that as they mature, They cover our essential expenses or some of those expenses. But you don't benefit from the risk pooling, what are known as mortality credits. The fact that you get additional payments because income annuities are based on the average outcome. Sure, the insurance company is investing primarily in the bond market. Generally, they can earn higher returns than us because they have a much longer time horizon. And they're not having to do a laddered bond portfolio, but we could self annuitize, but we can get a higher payout if instead of doing that, we cover those essential expenses with Social Security or your particular government's retirement plan, a pension, a defined benefit plan, if you happen to have that, and an income annuity. And by doing that, we can invest the rest of our assets more aggressively. If we have our essentials covered, through guaranteed income sources, then our remaining assets can be invested more in stocks or more aggressively because we're not subject to that sequence of return risk. Before we look at how much income annuities pay out, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. Sometimes it's just nice to sit back, relax, maybe even take a nap. That's not what you want your money to be doing. You want it to be working hard for you, earning interest, generating returns, That's where the Betterment Automated Investing and Savings app can help. Betterment's technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize returns. They have diversified portfolios of low-cost ETFs that have been constructed by experts, high-yield cash accounts where your money can earn 11 times the national average, and automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. These tools can help you reach your savings and investing goals. Betterment is a fiduciary. That means it's their job to act in your best interest. They will never recommend an investment or give you guidance unless they believe it will help you reach your financial goals. So visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about the high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserves offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. The best source I have found to get prices on annuities is immediateannuities.com. To what I used back in 2008. You can put in a hypothetical age and it'll price out what leading insurance companies are paying on annuities. In 2008, when I went through that analysis, when I wrote that white paper, a 65-year-old male, the payout was 8% or higher. Now when I do it, as 65-year-old, The payout's about 6.3%. That's the annual payment divided by how much is put into the annuity. Now, we recognize that those that die soon aren't going to get all that money back. But if you live longer than the average expected age, you'll continue to do that. Annuities are priced based on the average, the average life expectancy. Interest rates are lower now than they were in 2008. And because the insurance company is investing these premiums, they will have less of a payout because rates are lower. Now, we might say, well, I I don't want to invest in annuity now because rates could be higher in the future. But if we're taking a safety first approach, when it's time to retire, it makes sense to buy an annuity because we don't know if rates are going to fall further. Or potentially people are just going to live longer and insurance companies won't make As high a payment because life expectancies are increasing. What if cancer was dramatically cured? One way we can mitigate that is to buy a series of annuities, perhaps one to fund our essential expenses when we first retire, and one five or ten years later. One reason people are afraid or reluctant to use income annuities is because they don't like to see their account balance Go down. They feel like they're giving up liquidity. If I take several hundred thousand dollars and give it to an insurance company, yes, they're going to pay me on a monthly basis, but I don't get to see that amount in my account anymore. But as we saw with the asset liability approach, an annuity is an asset. We can value it, we can look at, and Fowl does this look at the payment stream, assuming you live to 100. What is the present value or the value of that income stream today? And you can use, in his case, he uses a 3% discount rate, assuming that's what the insurance company is earning. But you could put a value on that. Those that pursue a probability-based retirement are not as liquid as they think. Here's what Foul writes. Retirees are free to reallocate their assets in any way they wish. But the assets are not truly liquid because they must be preserved to meet the spending goal. Assets cannot be double counted. And while a retiree could decide to use these assets for another purpose, doing so would jeopardize the ability to meet future spending. In this sense, assets are not as liquid as they appear. So we need to get over the psychological hurdle that our account balance will go down because we bought an annuity. It is still an asset a very valuable asset. And using these income annuities can make the overall cost of retirement lower because we don't have to plan for extreme events, poor returns, poor sequence of returns, and living beyond age 100, which by extreme isn't necessarily bad. Some people want to live that long. Another concern about an income annuity is, well, what if, the insurance company defaults. There are several ways to protect against that. Buy an annuity from a mutual insurance company that is owned by the policyholders so they're not beholden to Wall Street or the stock market. They're owned by the policyholders and they have a very high, if not the highest rating by an insurance rating service such as AM Best. Don't buy an income annuity based on whatever insurance company is paying the highest amount. Base it on the insurance company that you have the most confidence in because they have the highest rating and they've been around for the longest time. In addition, individual states in the United States have insurance pools to protect if an annuity company defaults on the annuity. It is extremely rare. Only a couple cases over the past few decades, and they were not by any means, the highest rated insurance company. Back on that liquidity issue, sometimes retirees, they don't want to give up all of those assets. And what if they died within the first few years? And so they get a guaranteed certain period. So they'll at least get, if they die, they'll at least get 10 years worth of payments that'll go to whoever the, their beneficiaries. It results in a lower payout. When I buy an annuity, I'm comfortable not having that guaranteed term because, again, I'm looking at it as an asset with a certain role to protect against longevity. It's okay because there's other ways to fund benefits for my heirs. I could buy a life insurance policy to do that. Another consideration, if you just love to invest, you don't want to give up some of that opportunity to invest by buying an income annuity, is what if our cognitive abilities decline? We're not able to invest like we could. We just don't have the skills to do so. Maybe we get dementia. An income annuity can protect against that because we're not so dependent on our investment portfolio. That survey of how today's retirees are financially faring by the Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies had some sobering statistics. 36% of retirees have seen their personal financial situation decline since entering retirement. And here was a shocking figure. 56% retired sooner than they had planned. 54% was employment-related. They lost their job there was an organizational change at their place of employment. They were unhappy with the job. Now, 11% took a retirement incentive or buyout. 47% retired earlier than planned because of health-related or family reasons. They had to become a primary caregiver or their own health. Only 11% retired sooner than expected because they found they had saved enough money and could afford to retire early. Now, while 56% retired sooner than they had planned, 9% retired later than they had planned. 75% it was financial related. They needed the income. They hadn't saved enough for retirement. Now, there was also a healthy percentage that enjoyed their work and wanted to stay active and keep their brain alert. Continuing to work in retirement is a great thing, and we should hopefully do that in a job that we enjoy, that we can give back to the community. But we don't want to be in a position that we can't retire because we haven't saved enough or forced to retire and then not have enough. And the best solution I know to help overcome that are immediate annuities, income annuities. They are a great tool. And as I said, I knew nothing about them. And I'm going to use it in my retirement for sure because I like the idea of being able to better maximize my nest egg because I am offloading that longevity risk and market risk to the insurance company. I don't have to plan for extreme events. I can plan for average outcome and cover basic needs with guaranteed income. It's a safety first approach. And it makes retirement planning so much easier. Now, if you have a pension plan with Social Security or other guaranteed sources, maybe you don't need an income annuity. But most of us do need some type of annuity. And Wade Fowle, in his book, goes into great detail on all other types of annuities. Variable annuities, other insurance products such as universal life, whole life, He prices them out. He goes through all the math. But at the end of the day, the income annuity, the plain vanilla income annuity without any riders is the most effective tool. And that's why all retirees should at least consider an income annuity. That's episode 279. You can get show notes at moneyfortherestofus.com. The links to the books and the other articles and studies I reference while you're there, please sign up for my free insider's guide, Well, I'll send you that week's links as well as an essay I do on money investing in the economy. Some of the best writing I do each week just goes to you on that email list. You can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Please consider sharing my book with somebody you know that wants to become a better investor. I've written this book for those that are advanced investors, those that are beginning investors. There's tools to help all of them, and it makes a great holiday gift. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.